everybody. Welcome to Revival Town Podcast. I'm Chuck Tate. That's Andy King. Chuck Tate, how are you doing? Andy King, always great hanging with you, you know? You know what? We were hanging the other week. We got to play at the Dream Center Golf Outing. That's right. What a good time. Oh, I tell you what was pretty cool about it. <clears throat> we, we got this pro golfer who was the... He's in the 23rd in the world for the longest drive yes. that anyone can hit. 23rd yes. in the world. Bobby Ray. Bobby Ray. Yep, I looked him up on Instagram. He's legit. He is. Tw- uh, f- like 425 yards he was hitting a ball. Yes. He's um, also been on rea- um, some reality television shows. <laughs> yeah. One of them was Love Island. <laughs> It's like, okay, we'll keep that up for all yeah, the donors. Yeah, yeah. Bobby Ray. Uh, but yeah, you could. he's a, a legit dude. Um, I, I don't know if I can say this. Uh, he's a good looking dude. You know, he's yeah, got, he's, yeah. He's, he's, he's got. He's, well, he was on Love Island. I mean, yeah, say you know, no more, right? What? He was on Love Island. So Love say Island, no right. more. Yeah, you know? yeah. He's probably, uh, probably a ladies man. And um, you know what? It was cool that he was helping raise money for Dream Center. It was. It was. That a, was really it was cool. a good day. I called you last minute. One of the guys had uh, uh, um, backed out, and I was like, "Oh man, who? Oh, I got to hang with Chuck <laughs> Tate again." <laughs> uh, but it was good. Great day for the for the Dream Center, and uh, but yeah, but it was fun hanging. It was not fun leaving though, because you know what I did. I, I don't know if I ever told you this. No. Uh, well, you started to, but you didn't tell me the whole story. So my. Um, my daughter started a new job. She wanted to drive herself. So I said, you can drop me off and then come pick me up. Well, she ended up having to work late. Mm. And everybody was gone, including you. Yeah, including yeah. Your dad. So all my pastor friends that played, everybody's gone. Dream Center volunteers were all leaving, too. <laughs> so Karen, who loves it. Yeah, Hi, yeah, Karen. Yeah. Thanks for being a fan of Revival Town yeah, Podcast. Karen White, yeah. So, yeah, so, so everybody left. And I'm still waiting on my daughter. She hadn't left yet. So I'm like, I pull up my apps. How far is Starbucks? And it says 0.5 miles. So I'm like, eh, I'll walk there. Well, I had to carry my golf bag, my 30-pound golf bag. It turned out to be just under a mile. And oh. after golfing all day in the sun yeah. and then walking a mile carrying my golf bag, I was about shot Oh man. when I crawled into Starbucks. I, I felt terrible that you would have to do that because that driveway into the country club that we we rented for the day that's a long driveway when you said yeah i carried my bags to starbucks i'm like man that's a long <laughs> yeah. long yeah well i didn't even tell you i almost got arrested people were like what's this homeless guy doing breaking into the country club <laughs> <laughs> oh well uh today we've got a great guy that you met at the Digital Billy Graham Summit just a few uh, months back. Yes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, his name is John Groves. He is a pastor. He is a an excellent communicator. He's passionate about reaching Gen Z, but now God's called him and his wife to move from San Antonio to Nashville to plant a church, and he's going to tell us all about it. Good, good stuff. So why don't you uh, sit back and relax and enjoy this conversation with John. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. (laughs) 
All right, everybody, it's time for another conversation on Revival Town Podcast. Our guest today, John Groves, is a pastor, a preacher, and missionary to Gen Z in the local church. His passion is helping Christians walk in the word and reach their neighbors. John and his wife, Olivia, are getting ready to move from the um, San Antonio area to Nashville, his home roots, to plant a church. We're going to ask him about that in just a second. First of all, John, welcome to Revival Town. Great to have you here today. Great to be here, Chuck and Andy. Thanks for having me on. Hey, no problem. We are so glad uh, to have you on. Chuck, you met uh, John just recently, right? Yeah, so uh, I met John in Kansas City back in the beginning of June, I believe it was, at something called Digital Billy Graham Summit. And it was uh, a a conference, a gathering of of influencers and uh, mutual friend Matt Brown, who has been on Revival Town. He invited me, and uh, I really... um, yeah, in fact, originally you were going to go, yeah. and, and our executive pastor, and it worked out. I just ended up bringing my son, which, um, John, you you met there, and I appreciate you taking time to, to speak to him, because our family's been through some stuff, and, and in fact, I just, I just texted Matt last week, and I said, or a couple weeks ago, and said that when I came in limping to, to the summit, but I left dancing. I mean, I just mm-hmm. got ministered to. That's and good. and um, in fact, you ministered to me, John, the message that you preached there. And it was so cool to, to meet you and so many others. It was just like, I just soaked everything up like a sponge. It was the first time that I had been away from my wife overnight in four years. So um, she's battled some health things, and she's coming out of all that now, praise the Lord. But, but it was just a good time for me. So it was great to meet you, and now great to have you on, on the podcast. The summit was incredible. Andy, I wish you could have been there, but you, you're you officially invited next year. Okay. All right. In All fact, right. Little, little spoiler, I believe it's going to be hosted in Nashville this next year. Oh. So I'm really excited about that. We're still putting all the details together, but it's going to be amazing. Right. And Chuck, I'm still waiting to see that dance. I got the yeah. text about the dancing, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to seeing a TikTok of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw it. You don't want to see it, mate. It's terrible. <laughs> Hey, speaking of TikTok, now this is crazy. Um, so uh, I had never met you in person before, and I was at the summit, and uh, you know, heard you speak and MC, and you know, mix it up, and um, got home and began following you on Instagram, and then, um, like, I'm a big TikTok guy. I found you on TikTok, and then one of your uh, most viral videos was this video you did when you were traveling, and I don't even—you were just somewhere around the country. In a in a church, and you were sharing the correct way to stack chairs. Right? Yes, and and I cracked up, and not only did I like it, but I favorited that video. And but I didn't know it was you when when I was in Kansas City. Honestly, just a few <laughs> weeks ago on TikTok, I'm like, oh wait a minute, this is crazy. I know this guy. You know. I'm a fourth generation preacher's kid, which I tell people means I'm just four times as messed up as most people. (laughs) And I have a few pet peeves, but we'll call them passions. And correct chair stacking is one of them. (laughs) The wise man built his house on the rock and the wise church member puts the chairs together in the right way so that they don't come tumbling down. Um, That's a sermon for another day, but I'm glad that it ministered to you. It's one of my favorite messages to bring. I I need to show it to our staff and my team. (laughs) This is how you stack a chair. That's right. uh, Man, well, tell us about yourself, John. Why don't you just begin and just tell us your story. We have a lot of people, um, all different age demographics that are are listening, that are 
meeting you for the first time. Well, I was kind of like the 80-year-old, uh, 12-year-old. If you understand what I mean, that was my personality. And while that sounds great now, it wasn't great then. But <laughs> I grew up in the ministry and around the ministry. And honestly, for that reason, I had a season where I didn't want anything to do with the ministry. I'm like, I'm going to be a lawyer or a politician because at least then you expect people to be people. Whereas in the church, you kind of expected everyone to be godly and kind and loving, and it doesn't always work out that way. Mm. But God got a hold of my life, and I surrendered to the ministry and uh, hit the road at 17, uh, wow. traveling in evangelism. And for the last uh, 13 years now, I've been blessed to travel in the music industry and in evangelism, but the highlight has been... Uh, several years ago, got the privilege to plant a church near Nashville, uh, just across the line in Kentucky. And uh, God blessed our church tremendously. We were able to plant multiple campuses. And as it was growing, my heart was Nashville and my heart was local church pastors. And it seemed like well, one, it seemed like I was never going to get married. Um, I was always busy and always on the go and really came to a time where our ministry teammate, you met him, Malachi O'Brien, uh, mm. challenged me to, to fast. Mm. And so we took some time as a church to fast and to pray. And God spoke to me and said, I'm getting ready to transition you in a big way. So you're going to step aside. And uh, it was the weirdest, uh, most uncomfortable thing. But uh, the moment that I surrendered to um, traveling and evangelism full-time for a season, serving local church pastors, really kind of as a, a consultant and a coach, but more than that as a friend. Um, love ministering to preachers' kids and helping pastors figure out the things that they don't teach in seminary. and right. uh, or, as, or as my dad calls it, cemetery. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, we, the moment that I said yes to the Lord, God brought Olivia into my life. We now have an incredible daughter as well. And so we're we're still in the newlywed phase and hope to be there for at least another 25 years. Right. And uh, <laughs> we have a, a one, almost one and a half year old, and she's incredible, the greatest thing ever. And uh, so we've been traveling full time since then. We've got a tour bus that we uh, live in, travel in. And this year, I believe we'll have served 45 churches and wow. several camps and um, through all of this we always knew that church planting was going to be the thing and God's opened up the door so this next year we're planting Honor Church in Nashville Man. and we are really excited about that I'm excited about going back home to Tennessee I've talked my Texan wife into coming with me um, <laughs> and uh, it, it was a long journey had God not done it it wouldn't have happened but uh, it's 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 exciting, and we're looking forward to the new year. All the advice we can get from y'all, we're willing to take it. We can't <laughs> wait to get back into the church planting uh, life again and uh, and looking forward to seeing what God does. Man, well, I, I planted a church that I'm still pastoring um, more than 24 years ago, and I've learned mostly what not to do. So I'll share some of those things, things not to do. <laughs> you know, a pastor friend of mine says he's working on a book called What Not to Do When Planting, 
Ooh. And so I'm pretty sure it's proprietary. Mm. Maybe I shouldn't have put that out there, but he's he's writing it. He shared with me 12 things the other day at lunch, and I wrote them all down. They were great. Wow. Never do this things. Yeah, yeah and, that's good uh, stuff. I mean, they were brilliant. I bet. Well, I'm excited for you. Excited for this new journey you're about to embark on, and um, it's not too far from us. And looking forward to the next summit, all the above, man. Oh, well, we'll be visiting you in Illinois. Uh, God gave a gift to Illinois called Portillo's. And, uh, and we've got one in Peoria, the, right? Yeah, we have one right here. The Lord calls me there several times a year um, just to partake of the sausage and beef combo with a chocolate cake shake. Yes. Um, the Holy Spirit really moves mm. at Peoria, yeah. at, at Portillo's. And yeah. uh, if it's in Peoria, I'm there. Hey, yeah, know? yeah. Come on, come on. We yeah. can have you in studio as well. I'll take you around the Dream Center. I mean, we can do loads to bring you to Rock Church, Ch- Chuck's Church. So, uh, right. come on, yeah, come yeah, on. yeah. We yeah, we need to set that up. Well, I, I Chuck was telling me a little bit about yourself and your ministry, really to Gen Z and and that whole world. Uh, you know, and and it's a it's a culture, right? I mean, mm. um, you know, there's many cultures within culture. And so um, tell us a bit about that world and what you are seeing, how, how you have to minister to Gen Z in this day and age. It all began with a question that almost every pastor that we served has asked. They would say, how do we get young people? And for several years, I heard all kinds of pastors saying, how do we minister to the millennials? And I started to look around in our own church and go, if you're asking that question, you're probably two generations behind. The millennials are are old now, and a new generation's on the scene. And I was really challenged by someone one day. He said, "He said, John, I, I want you." He's like, "You're coaching these other churches, but you need some help." He said, "When we walk into your building, and when we step into the ministry in general." There are things that there's a whole culture that doesn't understand. Um, He's like, he said, pardon the illustration, but suppose that I took you to one of those shops on the side of the interstate. He said, you'd be embarrassed walking around in there, not knowing what to ask or what to look for. He's like, there's words and pictures you don't understand. And that's exactly how a generation feels about church and the Bible and Mm. all of the issues that we see in our culture, people lack political apologetics because they lack a biblical apologetic. People Mm. don't understand identity or sexuality or most everything because they lack the foundation. And so growing up in the church, we had missionaries in and out all the time who would spend time learning a culture and learning a language and reaching people in different contexts. And I asked, why isn't the church doing that? At least the majority of churches. Mm. And so... We started what we called Revival Nights, and they have been in existence for several years and just kind of became a larger tour over the last two. But uh, we learned that a lot of churches aren't answering the questions this generation's actually asking. So mm. we opened these types of things up with Q&A and let them ask the hard questions. And we don't tell them what to think. We teach them how to think. Mm. And then we've learned that worship is great and wonderful and music is a key to every generation. 
but the manifest presence of God really is the answer to all the problems. And so we preach the word. We don't shy away from preaching the Bible. We don't want them to leave just feeling good. We want them to leave having encountered the Holy Spirit. And so these Gen Z revival nights have been happening all over the country. Uh, Our goal is to begin a revival movement in every major city around the U.S. before the end of the Roaring Twenties and help a generation uh, discover God to find their purpose and to get plugged into the local church. Um, so we're we're casting the net digitally and we're training what we call digital Billy Grams. And you came to the the you know the annual summit where we talked about some of those things uh, because that's where the fish are. Mm. But the answer isn't just to make good content. The answer is hook them with the content, give them the answers to the questions they're asking, point them in the right direction, and that direction is the local church in person discipleship every single time. Wow, I, I love it. So um, my, my question is then, as far as, as Gen Z, um, what what do you foresee? I mean, you, tr- you travel all over the country. You spoke at 45 churches last year, so you, I'm sure you have a good grasp, especially from a, a national standpoint. What do you think is the greatest struggle Gen Z is facing right now? I believe the struggle, and there are probably a dozen we could list, but I believe a root struggle has been snowballing for three generations, and and now we're finally able to go, this is the main thing, and that's fatherlessness. Mm. There's a generation that doesn't understand God as a father because numbers, the percentages are astoundingly high. They don't understand earthly father and because they don't know or understand or have a a godly earthly father they're not seeking out spiritual fathers and mothers that they really genuinely need and so they don't understand god the father and so this satanic attack on sexuality and identity really started with removing the cornerstone Mm. for life and that is fatherhood and so we need men of God to step up and not to discount the role of godly moms. They're all over the Bible, but we need men of God to lead the home and we need men of God to lead the church. And we need spiritual fathers to step up and adopt spiritual orphans and disciple them and train them how to break this generational curse of fatherlessness. And uh, it's possible it can happen. And any church that's growing and thriving is attacking that issue primarily it's fatherlessness that's so good you know um for those who may be listening for the first time uh so i uh run a dream center here in peoria which is really our main goal is to impact families living in poverty starting with kids and youth and we have many different arms of the dream center but one of our main arms is our whole after school program uh, we also have a full-blown trade school, so carpentry studio, motor mechanics, 3D printing, coffee business, all these different trades that kids can learn that we're seeing and the kids we see are from the inner city. Uh, I would say 98% don't have a father in the home that we see. And, um, and so for us, as we do what we do and seeing these 100 kids or so come in every night, the aim has always been uh, is to get godly men 
um, at the Dream Center mm. for these after-school programs. And we've got some amazing guys that, um, you know, I, I just think of the one guy who helped us head up this first program, which was this motorbike program. He was an engineer at Caterpillar, which is a, uh, in town, uh, the Caterpillar Tractors. And he came to the Dream Center and he was like, hey, I, I want to... Uh, I want to help in some way. So we did what we normally do when an engineer comes in. We take him to the maths cl- math class. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I hate math. I said, and he said, but I could bring my motorbike in. And what if I show a kid how to strip it down and rebuild it? Show mm-hmm. him how to do all changes, how to make sure the brakes are okay, everything. You know, a guy in my church, his name is Josh. He serves at Dream Center yes, with, yeah. with the motorcycles. Yeah. yeah. And so so this guy, uh, Mike, who started this, was like, this is what I've got to give. Um, is it okay if I do that? And I said, yeah. And that launched our whole program. And you may be thinking, well, why, Andy, are you going on about Mike? I remember we were doing a video shoot with him. And out of the blue, he just started talking about how he wanted to give back to these kids what his dad gave him. Mm-hmm. And he understood that the kids that we see, there is no dad uh, or even positive male role model speaking into their life, not just biblically, but also physically. Like, hey, look at someone when you sh- when you're speaking to someone shake their hand like you know the the soft skills as well as opening scripture you know and so i totally hear what you are saying because it's through society and especially obviously in the inner city we see it a lot where there is no positive male role model in the in the home which then as you said then affects all the other decisions that normally are being uh seen within the home and so, uh, yeah, I, I totally, totally hear what you're saying. Has that been a challenge, though, especially when you're going into churches and trying to say, hey, this is what we're seeing? You know, we can track this all the way back to, I believe, World War II. Uh, men went to war and ladies stayed home and a family dynamic shifted during that time. And so ladies served their country and many of them packed parachutes and worked in factories to take care of their family financially, but also to serve the country. And so it shifted the way that families viewed mom and dad, but it also changed the way things happened in the church. And the result is if you've been to a lot of, uh, denominational churches that were in existence or began during that time period, if they haven't adapted and grown, they probably are decorated like your grandma's nursing home room because Mm. those are the people who were leading the church during that time of war. Mm. And so not only were dads absent for years, but spiritual dads were absent for years and the church kind of adapted in a wrong way and became largely female-led. The result is, ask any pastor in Western culture today, um, who's more involved, men or ladies, in your church? And nine times out of ten, it's ladies. And again, we praise God for the women of God, Mm. but 
training the church how to get back to the Bible uh, means pastors getting real about reaching dads and training men. And uh, again, any church that is growing and thriving in a biblical way has realized if I reach dad and disciple dad, I get the whole family. Right. Turns out God knew what he was doing when he set this up. Um, but churches that only sing their um, love songs to Jesus as my boyfriend and do all of their cute little, you know, what have you, they may have a bunch of teenagers for a little while, but the men leave, the ladies stay, and a generation is lost because they don't have spiritual fathers and mothers much more physical fathers and mothers. So to your question, this has been going on for decades and now we have to show the church this is a problem so that they're even ready to search for a solution. And that can be tough. It can be extremely difficult to say, maybe you were born after this became a problem and this is all that you've known. But it's time to get back to the Bible. And when you do, God blesses it in a big way but you have to see the status quo as an issue. And so, um, yes, having to be that prophetic voice sometimes, I'm not calling myself a prophet, but I'm saying prophets weren't always liked. Sure. <laughs> and having to be the mm-hmm. prophetic voice sometimes to say, back to the Bible, let's let's don't go beyond what is written, but let's don't miss what is, mm. um, means some churches experience revival and some churches go, now nah, we're cool with the club that we've created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that's so disheartening and scary. You know, I I have friends that have even dismissed scripture and this whole deconstruction phase that's going on in the, within the church. People are walking away from their faith. They're walking away from the word. They're walking away from Jesus, and it's. Um, I mean, I know you've definitely hit something on the head. We have to stick to the word. And you you said something a little bit earlier. You said the manifest presence of God is the answer to everything. And I love that because you can't have the manifest presence of God without the word of God. Right? Mm -hmm. So the enemy has really worked hard. And it's the same strategy that he had in the garden. Right, every time. Did God really say? And that's what we're seeing right now, where people are are just throwing it out. But we've got to stick to it. We've got to stand on it. We've got to we've got to preach it. And um, so again, grateful for your ministry, traveling the country. Now again, to plant a church to, to to raise up raise up dads, but to speak into teenagers, and everything is built on the word, the presence of God. Yeah. The truth is, the rains come down and the floods come up, no matter what year it is. But the house on the rock stands firm and the house on the stand goes flat. If you remember the old Sunday school song, straight from a sermon Jesus preached. Right. And deconstruction, you know, the new evangelicals is really just a uh, it's there's nothing new about it. It's just an old form of heresy. It's not asking questions for the sake of answers. It's asking questions to question God. Yes. And um, people are people. And imperfections happen and storms come culturally and familially and all. You're going to have disappointments. Rains come, floods come. But if your house is built on a firm foundation, you stand. And those who never built their house on a firm foundation, 
uh, go away. And we go, if you're not built on the foundation, not saved, um, that's foolish. And we're to be wise and understand the will of the Lord. So back to the Bible. And I believe it's happening. Um, I believe it's coming. And uh, the worse the culture gets, the more ambiguity and questions they raise, the more people are designed by God to search for clarity and answers. Romans indicates it's in them. We're without excuse. That which may be known of God is manifest in them. So um, the more the church is positioned to be the answer. And so it's really, really exciting. Like revival's coming. Awakening's coming. Awakening is coming and Jesus is coming. And so we're excited about all of those things. It's really, yeah, it's bad times, but uh, bad times create strong believers. And so, again, back to the Bible. Right. And whenever there's persecution, there is revival. I mean, we look in, in the book of Acts and it was through persecution that the church was scattered. And the enemy thought he was stopping the church by scattering them. But what he was really doing was sending the church. And that got it outside yes. of Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria. And now here, 2,000 years later, we're still the church talking about Jesus and his word on this podcast. So I know I know you love the local church and you've served by by being a guest speaker and now you're ready to to move and and, and plant a church. So can you just share what are some what are some of the things you love about the local church? Oh my goodness. Well, the local church is the bride of Christ. Mm. And you don't love the groom unless you love the bride. Um, I tell people all the time, if you say that you really, really love me, but all you do is talk bad about, ignore, or disregard my wife, you don't love me. She's part of mm. me. Mm. And uh, we're not going to be friends for very long if you say anything about my wife. And so I love the local church because that's that's what a born-again believer does. We're part of the church. We love the church because we love Christ, and Christ died for the church. Um so that would be primary, but I love the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God, God come down, is the birthright of the New Testament local church. And we have conflated God's manifest presence and his omnipresence for a long time. People have said, well, I just do church all by myself. I just sit on my couch and watch a live stream. Uh, 2020 really helped us. Uh, disregard what the Bible says about the church. And uh, the beautiful thing about gathering as the church is God shows up in a beautiful and in a powerful and in a unique way. And so um, I remember going to youth camp every summer of my life and the camp director who probably is one of the men that made the largest impact on my life. He used to pray every week before camp began that God would make these students dissatisfied with anything less than a miraculous move of God. And I got to say that God has answered his prayer in my life. And once you experience the church where God shows up, going to a church service where it's just kind of like boring or dry or dead or ritualistic and that's not exclusive to the pipe organ. It's also true for the drums and backlights. When it's just a ritualistic show, um, you leave empty and wondering, like, was that a waste of an hour? But when God shows up, man, you could be there all day and you you want more and you want more. And that's why I love the local church. Um, 
and then the third because we're preachers here so you've got to have three points right yes, if yes. it's two you didn't do enough study and if it's four you didn't know when to shut up so the third one is <laughs> that the local church truly is the hands and feet of jesus and throughout history it's always been the church that has risen to the occasion to care for widows and orphans and to reach the culture and the hurting and so anybody who goes man i really wish the church would step up has their eyes closed the church is still the first organization on the scene when there's national track before before the u.s government ever gets their samaritan's purse funded by the church is there the church right. funds, I believe, 80% of all of the pregnancy centers across right. the United States. Mm. So when ladies are in crisis, the church is there. And the church is still feeding the most homeless. The church is still giving the most in benevolence. And I love that a church that loves people loves God. And so anywhere that people are loved, you know, there's a group of people that really love God. And so I, I, I love it. It's right. amazing. Yeah, it's good. Um, are there... Are there any common denominators besides besides the fathers being involved in a church um, with with you know you having a, a front row seat to so many different churches in different states traveling the country? Are there are there any common denominators that separate um, successful churches? And by successful, I mean disciple making church is not just number like Rick Warren said bigger is not better smaller is not better better is better right are there are there any common denominators that that um, like three or four things maybe that separate good churches from bad churches or successful churches from unsuccessful churches anything that absolutely Um, let's start with the top um pastors that are continuing to learn and grow both in the word and in practical things lead growing healthy churches Mm. Um, if a church isn't growing it's dying there is no stagnation as far as the church is concerned and my heroes are the small town pastors um, that are reaching their community and they're growing They're, they're growing every year and they may have a tenth of their congregation die every year, but they've got a tenth of their congregation being born every year. So health and success isn't measured by our more butts and seats, but by are we reaching our city? Yes. And a lot of pastors, it, it, it's kind of heavy on either side of this scale, and we've got to get to the middle. Some went to seminary, and so like they can regurgitate all of these facts, but they don't know how to lead teams Uh, community outreach, assimilation processes, they're lost on that. And so they may be great preachers or deep teachers, but they're not growing on the other side. And then some are like, yeah, I went to business school and I watched a bunch of Stephen Furtick sermons. So Hmm. I know how to do all of these things, but their doctrine is weak and their preaching is shallow. These churches are not going to be around in another 10 years. Um, They're not reaching their city, actually. These feed a lot of people and do a lot of good in the name of look at our Instagram account. These gather each week in their suits and ties or T-shirts and ripped jeans and do the same thing over and over and over again, and they continue to age and age and age. 
Common denominator for all healthy churches is the pastor goes, I don't know everything, and I want to keep growing year Mm. after year in my intimacy with God and in my knowledge of how to reach the culture. The second is discipleship. A church that has a good discipleship process, um, and that's not coffee at McDonald's. It is exactly what Andy talked about. Uh, Men and ladies who don't add things to their calendar, they involve people in their calendar. I know how to rebuild a motorcycle, so I'm going to teach that. And while we're rebuilding the motorcycle, we're going to talk about life and yep. Jesus. And ladies, I I may not have time to go to a knitting group every Tuesday at 9 a.m., but I am involving one or two younger ladies in my life as I shop and cook meals or, or what have you that those men or ladies may do in their own particular context and personalities um, some churches do that on a really big organized scale. Some of them preach it and teach it so that it's very organic. But discipleship is a common denominator in every healthy church. And then uh, the the preaching of God's word. Like, well, what about evangelism? Evangelism is pre-conversion discipleship. If you're discipling people, they're evangelizing. If you're discipling people, they're tithing. If you're discipling people, they're... They're growing in the word, so they're doing all those things. Um, But God's called for the preaching of God's word. The foolishness of preaching is still reaching people. And uh, pastors that decided, oh, I'm not going to get political, or, oh, I'm not going to talk about that uncomfortable topic, or I'm going to avoid that because it might offend, their churches are shrinking. And they'll tell you post-COVID, like, oh, we're down 60% and we'll never be. So we're investing all our money into live stream cameras. Won't be here in 10 years. But the pastors who are willing to be voices crying in the wilderness rather than Instagram influencers calling for attention are preaching the Bible line by line, verse by verse, the word of God, thus saith the Lord. And God, God's word never returns void. Yeah. And those churches are growing and some of them exploded in the middle of 2020 and some of them are exploding now. And some pastors are finally getting it like, dang, I got to get back to the Bible. And anytime that God's word is preached, lives are changed. That's yeah. good. Amen. Amen. That's good. So what do you think, Andy? That's good, man. <laughs> good stuff. I mean, I, I do, I, you know, the whole Gen Z um, culture um, has invaded the church culture, uh, like you've yes. mentioned. Um, and you see it, you see it, you know, sl- it may be subtly with what people may be saying or doing, um, but it's getting away from what the Bible says. You know, it. You know, the, there's so many stories within the Word where Jesus confronted someone that may have been sinning, you know, doing something wrong, sinning, and it wasn't so much he came and judged them. He actually loved them. He went up to them and loved them. But then he said, now let's go and sin no more. Right. Like there was a turning. There was a, hey, you're doing this sin. I'll cheer you on while you do it because it's culturally okay. That's not what he right. did. It was, this is, this is wrong. So let's go and sin no more. And I think we forget that. I think yeah. churches... Right forget that side of um the whole right and wrong of of living a godly life and being able to turn 
uh, you know, and, and, and literally, you know, repent, so to speak, uh, turn your back on it, you know. Um, so yeah, so so I think I think that is an, an issue with, especially the Gen Z. I'm not trying to just you know because every culture, right? Right. Uh, even the the pastor who's turning away from some of these standards, you know, who may be 50, 60, 70, whatever age, that's just as bad. Uh, you know, of, of trying to be culturally relevant, um, you know it it can water down so bad that yeah god's well, gonna spit them out right right well i think um to to confirm what you were saying john for me from experience i mean during covid like everybody else when we were we were shut down briefly and we focused everything on our live stream and we updated all of our equipment and we um you know got it to where it was it was really good and then we opened back up and we're intentional about getting people back in the seats, Hebrews says, "Don't get out of the habit of gathering together for worship, mm-hmm. like some have, and like a, like a bunch have, right?" Uh, but one thing that we found is um, now that the churches are open and we're back, and there are yeah, there are people that aren't aren't returning. I have found that you know we had our our pre pre COVID live stream because we always had a live stream even pre COVID. And then during COVID, we were seeing record numbers because you couldn't gather. But post-COVID, I, we are seeing less engagement with our live stream than, pre, than our pre-COVID numbers. Mm-hmm. Because people, I think, are just, they're done with it. Now, we've still, we still offer it. There are still people that do engage and can come and that are still testing the water, so to speak. Um, but we have placed all of our emphasis on the word. And even in the past, I did a lot of topical series. Very rarely did I go through books of the Bible. It was just topics, right? But um, we decided to, to go through the book of Acts, and we're 12 weeks in, and we are seeing more engagement with the word because there's something about preaching verse by verse, going yep. through a book. And I already mentioned to our executive pastor, haven't uh, announced it to our staff. I mean, to our, our congregation. I did announce it to our staff this past week in 2023. We're just doing books. We're just going through the word, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. There's so much there. It's all. It will always be relevant, right? And in a season and in a time where there is a part of culture that wants to dismiss it. We're going, to, we're going to stick to it because you hit it on the head. Storms are going to come, right? You're either going to, you're going to be washed away. You're going, to, you're going to be standing firm. So thank you for, for your light and for your voice and for, for your willingness to, to raise up other, other leaders and for your willingness to speak into pastors like myself at Digital Billy Graham Summit. So just uh, I love what you're doing. I'm excited about your, your, your church plant as well. Uh, it's going to be cool to see what God does in you and through you. Well, we're really excited as well and excited about next year's summit. Um, and we haven't totally decided on our launch book of the Bible yet. But uh, for the pastor that's worried, like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. Our, our friend Matt Carter founded a church called Austin Stone in Austin, Texas, in his living room with like 12 people, started in the book of Luke. And I want to say that it was... Like eight to ten years later, he finished the book of Luke. 
Um, <laughs> and their church was several campuses and multiple thousands of people reached across the greater Austin area, line by line, verse by verse. And I love a good topical series every now and again, too. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Sure. But the cool thing about preaching expository is uh, if I happen to hit on your sin this week, it's totally uh, God's fault because we're just picking up where we left off. Right. Um, I'm not swayed by what I saw on social media or the news because uh, a lot of guys are really good at re-preaching CNN or Fox uh, in their sermons each week. And mm-hmm. uh, both sides are guilty. Um, right, right. But when, when, we, when we journey through God's word, it's really cool how the Holy Spirit knows the timing. Yeah. And uh, you won't have to worry about coming up with a good Christmas or Easter sermon. Turns out that Jesus' miraculous birth and resurrection and life are all over the Bible. And uh, you'll, you'll be good. Right, right That's on. Right. Good stuff, man. Well, well, go on, go on. No, no, go ahead. No, go no, ahead. no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know me. Am I hearing? I interrupt everybody. No, are we uh, going to ask him to praise? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, John. <laughs> I I know um, you have you have really helped some folks today, uh, especially maybe some of the the Gen Z crowd are listening. Um, would you be able to just just pray into some of that? Uh, what you might be feeling right now with regards to uh, what we've talked about. Uh, on the podcast today absolutely thanks so much father we're grateful to get to spend time with brothers talking about the ministry that you have entrusted us with and and your incredible word lord we're coming to you with a heavy burden today for a generation that hasn't left the church Lord, we're looking at a generation that's never been part of it never even visited one and we recognize the harvest truly is plenteous but the laborers are few and arguing with each other lord i pray that you call our friend that's listening now to a renewed joy in their salvation a renewed courage to speak truth a renewed passion to show your love and a desire to disciple. And God, I pray for this Gen Z that's on the scene and now the next generation that is growing up and about to become teenagers now. Lord, would you equip us to reach them? Would you not bless what we're doing? Show us the things that you want to bless so that we could do those things. Lord, would you... uh, confirm in the Gen Zers heart that your word is truth, that you are the way, you are the truth and the life and no man comes to the father but by you. Would you put it in their heart that they're unable to sleep or rest or even eat until they solidify that relationship with you? God, I pray that you do whatever it takes in our culture, in our society, in our countries to set up the church to be who you've called us to be and to make your fame and your glory known. You said if you'd be lifted up, you'd draw men into you. And we pray that we'd get back to understanding that the cross is the magnet of Christianity. We're not awesome. You are awesome. So Lord, uh, I pray that your truth would go forth. And God, I pray for all of the algorithms today 
for that one who's never visited a church, doesn't come from a Christian home, maybe has never even been spoken to by a Christian, to accidentally scroll upon a video today that would share your truth with them with such clarity that your Holy Spirit would meet them where they are, call them to repentance, and guide them toward your church. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. John, thank you so much. We... Uh, we want people to be able to connect with you and what you're doing um, and even perhaps visit you at, uh, when you get rolling in Nashville. But uh, what's the best way for people to just uh, connect with you? It doesn't matter which social media you're on. We're there and you can find me at John L. Groves. And if you're watching this video, it's here in the corner of my screen. And I'd love to connect with you there. Send me a message if there's anything that I can do to help you or serve you, most especially if you're a pastor or a digital Billy Graham who really wants to reach people online. Would love to help you and get you any resources that you need. Great. Right on, man. Thanks, John. Well, we do something at the end every week uh, called the Big Three. These are the big three questions that really people want to know about you, right? So, uh, Chuck, you want to start this week? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, well, you, you, you travel a lot. I know you're planting in Nashville. You, you have roots there. Favorite city outside of Nashville? What's your favorite city? Ooh. Um, favorite city outside of Nashville would be Chattanooga, Tennessee. All right, cool. All right. I've driven through Chattanooga several times. Okay. It's beautiful. Mountains it's that, like go, a go mini Nashville. The, the interstate. Yeah. It's great. It's got great food, beautiful mountains. Um, And sorry, I'm going to put Sarasota, Florida right there on the same level. (laughs) Um, Great food and great environment as well. Mountains or beach, I love them both. Right on. Uh, You mentioned that you live in an RV. Yes. Is that correct? We do. Okay. So uh, when you get to Nashville... Will that continue, or are you going to, like, it's time to get a, a, a home? Oh, it will continue for a season while we get everything going. It just allows us to live um, under our means. Um, and it's been something that we've done so that my wife and daughter could travel with me yeah. around the country and be in their own home everywhere that we go. But it is not a long-term thing. I actually grew up like that for a long time, living in fifth wheels and RVs with younger siblings, and uh, I would never do that to my wife or daughter. Um, (laughs) All right. Uh, (laughs) We we won't be doing that for very long. Okay, all right. I just wanted to clear that up for everyone. Okay, Chuck. (laughs) All right, last question. Do you, I mean, you've spoken a lot lot of camps. Do you have one crazy camp story that just jumps out? Or, or is that a whole okay. other podcast episode? I mean, can, can I share two quick ones? Sure. sure. Um, one's about me. One's about a camper. Um, the one about me is, uh, well, I'm like the king of pranks. And whatever uh, camp that I have directed or been on staff of, I hold the greatest prank record. And that's a, a whole other episode. But uh, one night, they decided to pull me into a skit. And uh, I didn't know what was coming. And I was wearing jeans, but I was in a rush and forgot to put on a belt. And in said skit, they lifted me upside down by my pants. And in front of uh, several hundred teenagers, Uh 
it all came crashing down. And um, so their goal was allegedly to pretend like they were shaking change like like school bullies on a cartoon. But uh, truth be told, I think they knew what they were doing. Mm. And um, so that was fun. Um, favorite <laughs> camper story that has been in so many sermons, um, and there are dozens, but one of my favorites is this kid um, named Daryl. And I mean, on day two or day three, he's he's lobster red, like had to go to the hospital because sunburnt <laughs> all over his body. <laughs> and the kid that gets I'm, sunburned. Oh. I'm looking at this kid and and he's complaining to me and his mom has called to let us know how awful it is that her son has been. Her baby has been sunburnt. Like we have control over that in some way. And so I look at this kid, Daryl, and I go, bro, do you have sunscreen? And he goes, yeah. And he pulls it out of his bag and it still had the plastic on the top. And uh, I'm like, "Um, the power in the sunscreen is not in its possession, but in its application. Mm. And um, that became like a sermon point that was unintentional. But... Uh, imagine having something but not using it. Um, that makes up almost all of my camper stories from sunscreen <laughs> to deodorant to floaties to <laughs> floaties. You name oh, it. Um, every near death experience has been because a kid had the resource but did not use it. Oh man, that'll um, preach. That'll preach. <laughs> Love it. Good, good stuff, dude. Well, thanks so much for hanging with us today, John. Thanks for having me. Chuck, I, I love you, love your content online, and uh, I listen to the podcast just to listen to Andy talk. I hey, just, hey, all right. That's the one. It's, it's Revival Town wherever I go because I'm just like, just skip through all of the rest of this. I just want to hear Andy talk about things. <laughs> That's good. Well, you can come on anytime, John, all right? <laughs> Oh, that's oh, well, John, thank you so much for coming on Revival Town Podcast today. And uh, we look forward to catching up with you uh, in the future. Yes. Awesome. Well, that was pretty good, Chuck. You know what? I loved it. Loved it. Great guy. Good stuff. I'm, um, I'm excited for the church plant because, yeah. you know, he's a younger guy with a lot of a lot of wisdom we joked about that at the beginning but he really does god's given him a lot of wisdom insight he's had the opportunity to travel the country and preaching it at camps and i was impressed when he spoke in kansas city and i'm really confident that he's going to do a great work yeah. in nashville yeah so, I, so go john we're cheering you on yeah for sure and you know i i asked the question about the whole rv like living with a family in an rv that's got to be tough but obviously he's trying to really get roots down right uh, in nashville so praying for him praying that Everything goes well, but we know what's next, don't we? Tate and his mate. This is where um, I try and throw an English word that they don't use in the States um, at my mate Tate, Chuck Tate, and see if he can guess it. Yes, I have to guess the meaning because it's familiar in UK, but not here. Yeah. So So I'm going to put it into a context. Okay. okay? Um, All right. I went to see the Cubs play. With you. Yes. Which is a true story. I'm not true making story. that up. You can watch the video. Yeah, it's on, on our YouTube page. So we went to see the Cubs play, and it was Chaka. It was what? Chaka. Chaka? Chaka. C H O C K E R. Chaka. It was Chaka. Oh, Chaka. 
It was chocker. It was chocker. Um, I was going to say it was hot. It's chocker. It's, it's, it's hot. We're sitting in the sun, but then the rest of the game, we were in a shade. So I'm going to say no. That's not what it is. Okay. And if it was chocker, then I'm going to say it was epic. It was epic. Okay. It was definitely epic when we caught on video a home run yes. where we weren't really planning on it. Right. Which, like we mentioned, you can see that on the we YouTube channel. We only had four channel. or five hits up to that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we bust out a Revival Town podcast video and the Cups hit a home run. Come on. Come on. Uh. So what's Chalker then? It's not It's not epic. No, it's- it means packed or, you know, a lot of people. Packed. Oh, like it was Chalker. Yeah, like, okay. Like full. It was. It was and it was. There was. It really was. There were people. I mean, the entire stadium was filled. Even, obviously, Wrigley is famous for the rooftop seating. Sure. yeah. Outside of the stadium, and that was full. Yeah, it was a great game. It was chucker. Yeah, it was. It was chucker. Yeah. So chucker. there you go. So you can chucker. use that this week. Make sure you're using these English words. We've got over a hundred now, right? Every right. week we've yeah. had a different one, it's, it's, and it's been amazing. Yeah, and I'm yeah. I'm trying to keep up with it. I was I was thinking the other night. I hope we, I can keep up with all these words. <laughs> you know, you could probably start over, and I wouldn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> you plonker. <laughs> All right, well, Chuck, thanks for doing this again with me this week. We've had a fun time. Likewise, thank you. Great time with John, and uh, we will see you all next week. Next week, can't wait. Thank you for listening to this episode of Revival Town Podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media, and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, head on over to RevivalTownPodcast.com. Oh,